As a result, in my new role as HR Transformation Director, I have this tremendous and kind of scary opportunity to really push forward with not just HR embracing this industrial revolution, but our organization embracing it, being mindful of it, really capitalizing on it so that we can truly set aside the work that is a nuisance and get after the work that's most meaningful. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. Sue Newman is the Director of HR Transformation for the United States' second largest alcohol beverage distributor. The key word in her title is transformation. Sue not only understands that the world is changing, but is big on adapting to that change and in fact, encouraging it. Sue will not sit idly by and let technology that can make an organization's workflow smoother just pass her by. She's ready to snatch up that technology and put it to work immediately. But on top of that, she knows the importance of personalities and is big on scientific tests that will highlight the core strength of each employee. Combining these core values, Sue is big on using technology to carry out administrative and mundane tasks while making sure her employees can spend all of their time using their core strengths to better position themselves and the company. Let's dive right into my engaging conversation with Sue Newman. Sue Newman, it is such a pleasure having you on the show. And before I introduce you, I think it's important and appropriate that we both give a shout out to Casey Hazen for making this happen. I was talking with Casey about the show and we were having this really good conversation. And she says, oh my goodness, I know someone who is perfect for your show. And she started telling me a little bit about you. Then I did a little homework on you, called up Casey. I said, can you make this happen? She's an amazing networker. Oh, she really is. I, I actually like her show too. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it. It's very good. I mean, I just like her style, her energy. And I always say that good people know good people. So here we are. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've been looking forward to this. And I'd like to start the show. If it's all right with you, I want to give the audience an opportunity to get to know you as more of like a person before we get under the hood in terms of your experience and kind of what brings you here today. So uh, if uh, you'd oblige, I'd love to start shooting some rapid fire questions at you. I'm ready. Go. All right. Introvert, extrovert, or do you find yourself somewhere in the middle as a, what some people consider a centrovert or an ambivert? 
I'm actually an extrovert with introverted tendencies. How's that? Um, okay. Are you able to share some of those introverted tendencies? Absolutely. I've learned through the course of my career that while I am naturally an extrovert, that is, I prefer to think out loud with my ideas, I have learned to intentionally suppress that, to be quiet, to allow great rooms and great ideas to bounce around in order to better inform my position. So while I do love to think out loud with others, there's tremendous value in being quiet too. Ooh. I like that. And and what prompted you to kind of focus a little bit more on the introverted tendencies? Well, for those of us who are students of MBTI, especially those that want to do a deep dive, MBTI provides us with a chance to understand that stress can cause us to deviate from our natural tendencies. And it was through a couple of stressful events that I adopted a practice of introvert attributes and introvert tendencies. And so through a stress reaction, I found myself really learning and finding great value in the way introverts behave and the way they interact. And certainly the book Quiet validates Susan Mm -hmm. Cain's great work. It validates the value of introverts in a predominantly extroverted world. So great stuff. That is excellent. And actually, it's funny, a lot of people have this perception that introverts can't necessarily be leaders or they can't necessarily have these deep relationships when it's actually quite the contrary. There's a lot of uh, social science out there that validates introverts as, as actually being the the better relationship uh, people, like scientifically. Uh, so it's really, it's kind of counterintuitive, but those that are introverted are more thoughtful. They are more present in conversations. They also have the tendencies of kind of that sense of reflection and their circle might not be as wide, but it's very deep. So that's really interesting. You mentioned MBTI. First and foremost, do you mind for the layman, explain what MBTI is? And then I'll get some other questions that, that are going to piggyback that. Absolutely. MBTI is the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Tremendous science research validation behind the tool. It's a very rich tool. It gives us a four-letter designation to quickly and conveniently describe our personalities. Most of us recognize that first letter in the four-letter series. It's either an E or an I, introversion or extroversion. Now, we all also have our own opinions when we hear those words about what they mean. And the Myers-Briggs type indicator in the supporting documents around that, again, great articles around it. They help us really understand if we take the time to read or to research it, they help us understand what we mean by introversion and extroversion. In short, that's kind of an introduction to Myers-Briggs. I'm a big fan of these kinds of assessment tools. Are you familiar with StrengthFinder? I certainly am. And in fact, my personal preference, I am a certified facilitator of Myers-Briggs type indicator. It's great science. It's a rich tool, but frankly, it's too much for the casual learner. StrengthsFinder is really my preferred assessment because it's very attainable for even the most casual learner. It gives us content that is actionable promptly after doing the assessment. And so for StrengthsFinder, that really has been over time my preferred assessment, especially when I'm working with teams who are looking to get something of value very quickly with little effort. And strengths finders as a result for me is, is the preference. 
I love those. There's another one that I know that I owe you that I've got to follow up on, but I'm a big fan of these. I like, I don't know where you sit, but because you are familiar with a bunch of these assessment tools, is one like a Bible for you or are you a fan of taking multiple different assessment tools and kind of aggregating the data and seeing any kinds of trends and moving from there? For me, the Bible or the, my preferred approach is StrengthsFinder. And the reason is this, with StrengthsFinder, for me personally, I have applied my understanding from the StrengthsFinder to shape who I am, my point of view, my elevator speech for my leadership brand. And as a result, then, even as you and I talk through the rest of this podcast, I'll share with you in the audience that my number one strength is input. My number two strength is learner. As a result, I have a wealth of information about a variety of topics that I don't always bring to bear. But in any conversation, when I'm sharing an idea or a thought, it's usually the case that I can describe for you and provide to you not only some of the research behind why I think the way I think, but also some great resources and some points of reference for you or for others to go in and learn more. And so as I was considering our conversation today, I in fact have a couple of resources that I'm looking forward to sharing and describing. Ooh, all right. So before you do that, why don't you tell everybody kind of a little bit about your background and what brings us here today? It's a, you know, very untraditional if you will. <laughs> Can you share? Sure. Absolutely. Um, just very quickly, I had started out my professional career as a law enforcement officer. And during that time, had a chance to earn a master's degree in human resources. Through a series of other moves and opportunities, I've now landed with a company where I've been the HR generalist for a number of different organizations, including most recently the corporate director or human resources, but I have a chance today to do something exciting and new. I am now the director of HR transformation for the company where I work, and that HR transformation aspect just embraces the fact that it's an exciting time to be an HR professional today. There's some amazing changes occurring, and the idea of this fourth industrial revolution that's giving us a chance in HR to do just some really great stuff. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Ooh, I am too. Do you mind sharing? Well, let's start right with the fourth industrial revolution. What exactly is that? And how do you see that affecting human resources? Oh, well, I'd, I'd love to. So if we think about first the social context that we're facing today, so 2020, the year 2020, and if we think about 2020 being a year of clear vision, all of these events that are occurring around us, COVID, the George Floyd unfortunate death and the horrifying pattern that's kind of emerging from all that really invites us to bring into focus some important work, a lot of important activities that we have a chance to make a difference with. And reflecting on my own experience, so this dual lens that I have of law enforcement plus human resources, all of those make me think about the one thing the one thing book written by Gary Keller reminds us to consider what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. Necessary. This idea that our people, our leaders, our organizations, we really want to get to the work that we need to be doing. 
that work that's going to make a meaningful and lasting difference in the lives of the customers we serve, in the lives of the great support folks that we work with, our suppliers, the, the retailers, whatever it is that brings our organizations into existence today and the great work that we want to be doing. Well, even with human resources, there's value that we have an opportunity to add here with our organizations. And by embracing this concept of the fourth industrial revolution, we can actually achieve those great things that we want to. So you asked me, what is this fourth industrial revolution? Well, it's wonderfully defined in a book called Reinventing Jobs by Ravin Jasuthasan and John Boudreau. HR folks, leaders, if you're not familiar with the book, I want to encourage you to find it. Reinventing Jobs. It describes wonderfully what the fourth industrial revolution is. The fourth industrial revolution is characterized by four major aspects. The first is the internet of things. Boy, everything is just so vibrant on the internet, so brilliantly available to all of us. The internet of things, empowering us to find information very quickly. Secondly, we have this idea of big data, data science. There's so much information available to us today that if we're doing things mindfully and intentionally, we can mine information, we can move our detail, our analytics from being descriptive, old school, moving them through being predictive mm. to ideally being prescriptive, giving us a sense of what we could be doing, what we should be doing. So we have the internet of things, we have the data science, data mining potential, we also then have this third idea, RPA, which is robotic process automation. Robotics, applying robotics mindfully and intentionally to transform the way that we're doing our work. Great opportunities there, great things happening. The fourth and final aspect is the idea of artificial intelligence. In HR, it's very common for us to experience or have an opportunity to apply artificial intelligence when we think about our selection process. So good, bad, and different, many of us have experienced applying artificial intelligence to conduct that first level of screening when we're trying to find our best and brightest applicants to fill positions. That's only one way that artificial intelligence is available to us to make a meaningful difference. All four of those aspects, Internet of Things, Data Science, Robotic Process Automation, and Artificial Intelligence, all of those combined are really the hallmarks of what's described as this fourth industrial revolution. Josh Burson Academy gave me an opportunity through the great content he has available on his site, gave me an opportunity to understand where different HR leaders are with respect to the fourth industrial revolution. Some believe that it's still developing. Others believe we're deep in the thick of it. My opinion, it's here, it's happening now. We just, we, we don't realize it. It's like the fish that's in water, right? We don't realize the water's around us, but folks, we're in it. The fourth industrial revolution is here. It's happening now. As a result, in my new role as HR Transformation Director, I have this tremendous and kind of scary opportunity to really push forward with not just HR embracing this industrial revolution, but our organization embracing it, being mindful of it, really capitalizing on it so that we can truly set aside the work that is a nuisance and get after the work that's most meaningful. HR today is absolutely challenged 
to be corporate, uh, socially responsible, this corporate social responsibility idea, CSR. Boy, HR, we've got to be leaning into that. Organizational leaders leaning into it. And in order to get there, I look forward to us applying this technology, this fourth industrial revolution to clear the way so that we can focus on the work that's most meaningful. And is that work? So this is the things that you're talking about, this fourth generation, this industrial revolution. Is it freeing up people's ability now to be a little more creative? It has the potential to do that. But here's the issue that I'm concerned most with as we try to apply all of these opportunities. What I'm concerned about is the very real possibility, and in fact, I've seen it happen, we're paving cow paths with technology. Unfortunately, as we're trying to embrace a new technology and apply it to the work that we're doing, we're embedding those outdated processes in silicone and software. We're not doing the heavy lifting that's required to get where we need to be. So what can people be doing? Well, I really like the approach, again, that's outlined in this reinventing jobs idea. What should we be doing? How should HR approach this work? We need to be looking at deconstructing the jobs that we're doing today, really break them down into each key component. Once we've broken the jobs down, then assessing the return on improved productivity if we apply technology to any one or all of those tasks. And that technology, again, could be an internet-based solution. The technology could be mining and applying data. The technology could be robotic process automation. We may apply robots to a task. We may instead apply artificial intelligence or any combination of those in order to either reduce the task or eliminate it altogether, Mm. making our work easier or completely unnecessary. And in that way, we provide a chance for ourselves and our employees to do what only humans can do, and that is be empathetic, be caring, be intelligent about doing the work that's going to add the greatest value to our organizations, to our people. So this is a big change, and you're going to receive a lot of pushback. What do you do to get the buy-in? People don't like change. I think there's, I'm actually working with a very large organization involved in the largest change management program that the company's ever faced. And they even told us that 70 something, I think it's like 73% of change initiatives fail because people are so against change. So even knowing that, so if you even make, you know, let's call it a 25 plus percent, you're successful in change. So how do you go about getting the buy-in, especially something like this, that's considered at least on the surface, so radical? Yeah, you're right. And your 70% failure rate comes from Harvard, publication by Harvard. Great study, critical study for any HR professional and any any leader in an organization understanding just exactly what you described. So how do you get the buy-in? Well, it really comes back to, in my opinion, that meaningful investment in breaking our work down into the individual tasks, deconstructing the jobs. And once we've deconstructed that job and applied our technological opportunities to improve or eliminate that task, then it becomes self-evident. 
showing people that it's not about eliminating your job. We're not trying to put you out of work. We're not trying to make you irrelevant in the work that you're doing today. Instead, we're trying to clear the path so that you can give us your best and apply all of those wonderful attributes that you bring to your work every day. Apply those in a way that only you can so that you're really doing the one most meaningful thing that any kind of technology could not do. I need you to be that rich, wonderful, complex person that you are not by way of completing some administrative redundant task. You're not giving me your best if you're doing something very administrative, very mindless. Let me solve that for you. Let me give you a technology or give you an option or eliminate the task altogether so that the time that you spend with me, the time that you're here with this organization is truly time that you are applying that rich, wonderful, complex person that you are to engage and to solve problems, to be creative, to be innovative. I need you playing in that space. I don't need you being an administrator. Let mm. me solve that for you. So you're essentially, again, you're just saying, hey, we want to suck out all the administrative robotic things that almost anybody can do to kind of get the best of what it is that you bring to the table. That's right. And when we think about inspiring our employees through that vision, and describing to them that the change that we're initiating or the change that we're implementing is designed and intended and being truthful about this, really making sure that the changes that we are implementing have at their core this intent that we truly are improving your work experience such that you are able to bring your best to work every day and that aspect of you that only you can bring. Now, it's a scary proposition if you have defined yourself as being the best darn administrator in the world. And if administration truly is at its core what motivates you, I'd be surprised, but if that truly is what motivates you, then let's be honest about that as well. But let's also be truthful that if we apply ourselves through the wonderful technology solutions we have today, if we apply ourselves to implementing those in a meaningful way that results in improved productivity, we may just manage you out of a job. It may be the case that you do become obsolete, which gets me to another key idea. The illiterate workforce, the illiterate individuals of the 21st century are going to be those among us who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. The pace of change today is so rapid that you really need to be asking yourself, at what pace are you learning? Are you learning at the pace of change today? And if you're not, you need to consider how you're spending your time. You need to consider what your future looks like. You don't evolve. <laughs> uh, you're in for a rough road. That's right. So this concept of change and the pace of change and the way technology is really running ahead, it's time. We need to be running at that pace if we truly want to take advantage of all of the amazing things happening today in that so fourth industrial revolution. So what do you recommend for other people that are in kind of sitting in your shoes, whether they're just leaders of an organization or someone who's heading up transformation at another company in the human resource function? If you could kind of lay out a punch list of things that they need to be doing in order to make this happen, what would that look like? 
I really would challenge all of us who are leading at any level of the organization. And let me be clear, it's my very strong opinion that you do not have to be in a position of authority anywhere in order to lead. You can lead from any level of the organization. You can lead as an individual contributor. You can lead as a middle manager. You can lead at the top of the organization. So what should you be doing? I think personally, first, examining for yourself that work that is not meaningful and relevant. Second, having a healthy impatience, a healthy impatience for the things that are not working for you today. And then don't wait for approval. Find the solutions mm. that are going to resolve that for you and get it out of your way and be vocal about it. You can do that at any level of the organization. What's not working? Healthy impatience. Be vocal about it and find your solutions. Find your solutions. They're there. The fourth industrial revolution and those pillars that I've described, the internet of things, data science, robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, they're available to any one of us if we'll only take the time to research it, define what those solutions look for us individually and collectively, and let's figure it out and make it happen. Wow. That's a great answer. <laughs> As we run out of time here, I got one more question. Do you have time for one more? I do. All right. Beautiful. What was the best advice that somebody ever gave you? And if you don't mind, is there some advice that you would share with us? Sure. The best advice someone gave me, and it's been described to me in a couple of different ways, but very simply, don't hide your light. The advice I give to others, I'm also going to refer back to someone who's been a very strong mentor for me personally and professionally. We learn. We learn from those of, around us who are great. We also learn from those around us who are not great. We learn how to be. We learn how not to be. Being mindful and intentional, being in the moment, paying attention to those individuals who really resonate with you, grabbing those little nuggets and using those to inform yourself of who you are, being intentional about that, being intentional about where you want to go. I think that that's important every day of our lives. Isn't that the truth? Wow. Sue, this has been awesome. I love a lot of the things that we talked about, the fourth industrial revolution. It's here. These are some things that have to change and without change, there'd be no evolution. It sounds like you are on the forefront of this and uh, I love what you're doing. I also appreciate you taking the time to share your story and some of the things that you're doing with not just myself, but with everyone else that's listening. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for the time and the opportunity. It's great. What you're doing is great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise.